0: Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to hundred dollars. Just visit PrizePicks.com/play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at PrizePicks.com/play100 for a first deposit match up to a hundred dollars. Prize Picks daily fantasy sports made easy. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
1: You're listening to Uncovered with Bharat Sundaraesan and Jared Kimber on the 99.94 Network. Let us start with the most World Cup story I can think of, uh, which is the fact that you currently are in Perth with no luggage because of the Pakistan cricket team.
2: Yes, I blame the Pakistan cricket team for my predicament. Despite my extremely sweet tweet about them, uh, after having seen them board the flight uh, a few hours ago, honestly, some of those faces looked so sullen and so so sad uh, uh, that. And I'm not surprised, right? After a defeat like that, India-Pakistan, the whole build-up and the way it ended, uh, you can't you wouldn't blame them to not for not looking very chuffed about life. And uh, uh, just before we took off, I tweeted about how you know, please, Pakistan fans, show them some love. And then we land in Perth. We see all the Pakistan players go off. The other passengers, we wait for half an hour. They say no, no. the And the flight was delayed by half an hour even uh, in Melbourne because you know how it is when a cricket team travels with you. All the kit has to be loaded. And I'm not sure many of the others on the flight knew anything about either the Pakistan team or the fact that Uh, Or the fact of what it is like to travel with a cricket team on your flight, as you and I do, unfortunately. Um, And then we wait for half an hour and then we see all their bags being unloaded. No news. 45 minutes later, no news. And then one and a half hours later, (laughs) there's an announcement which says, okay, uh, all those on the Melbourne flight, which is pretty much everyone. If you're not a Pakistan cricketer, it meant you. Uh, or part of the Pakistan team, can you please report to the baggage services department? We go there and they say, you know what? We had to offload all your (laughs) luggage because they had a lot of kit and there was a lot of kit. So all your luggage is still in Melbourne. And so even though I was a little peeved, I kind of understood the situation. Now, if you just, especially if you are watching this podcast or listening to us and you sat on either side of me, and I know those people because they knew nothing about cricket the lady to my right actually took a picture of someone and said, my daughter said he's really famous, Virat Kohli. Uh, and <laughs> especially... On- I thought you meant you. Oh, no, 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 no. She, I think she wanted a selfie with me, but that's uh, because she listens to Uncovered and watches uh, me somewhere, I guess. But uh, So if you were them, you would not really get it, right? Like, why should our luggage be left behind because some some random cricket team is on our flight? So, but that's the reality. That's what has happened, which means that uh, I'm without anything, no brush, no hairdryer, Uh, clothes, well, that's another question altogether. But uh, it's, and you know, I can't wear somebody else's clothes. If there are no animals on it, I won't wear them. So it's it's a a tough challenge. And Pakistan might have lost uh, a large section of their fans in Perth because of what's happened today. It's not your fault, but it has happened.
1: Uh, most importantly for us, you don't have your yes. microphone. So if anyone's like, hey, he doesn't sound as good today. Well, sorry, we tried. Um, uh, it's, uh, I don't think people understand how much stuff cricket teams travel with now. It's not just the kit bags. So uh, when was the last time you did a tour of the West Indies?
2: Uh, the tour of the West Indies, 2017.
1: Yeah. So I reckon around that time, if you ever had to get on a flight with any of the teams, you would know what I'm talking about. Before then... It was cricket bags, right? Yeah. Which was still a yeah. problem for West Indies, you know, um, airports, uh, for West Indies planes, for, you know, everything that's going on. Now it's because it's all the computer screens, oh, yes. it's all the fitness stuff and, you know, the ridiculous social media backgrounds and everything else they travel with. Uh, it's almost impossible to get a plane at the same time in the West Indies as a cricket team and actually turn up at the other end with any of the stuff that you're supposed to have. So much so that when I was with St. Lucia in 2018, we even had to just, we had to pick which stuff would go on the plane and which stuff wouldn't. Right. So it was like, we, we had to pick our cricket gear and then offload anything else, <laughs> like our clothes and everything else. So everyone's going through their stuff. So you got, you know, David Warner going through, uh, tr- putting his undies in his cricket kit so we can get the stuff on the plane. And, uh, so it, it's a, it's a huge thing. Uh, from there, though, um, I mean everything has been smooth for you for the last couple of days, just to get to the uh, India-Pakistan game, right?
2: Yes, uh, but uh, you know my day today has been as topsy-turvy as the game last night, because my original flight to Perth was at six twenty, uh, and I had a crazy day prior to that. So I literally I was running on three hours sleep over the previous two days. So I went to bed. I think I forgot to put the alarm at two a.m. I was supposed to wake up at 4. I wake up and it's sunlight. It's 8 a.m. So my flight's long gone. So I did start off on a great note. So I somehow scrambled and found myself a ticket, a very expensive ticket, which I hope it gets reimbursed. Uh, And it was around 12.30. Then I rock up at the airport. The entire Indian team is there. And it was great because, uh, you know, there were a lot of lovely reunions. I hadn't seen a lot of them in a long time. Uh, I saw uh, Virat Kohli. Uh, I just said hello and he, he still looked... I mean, he shook my hand, just smiled and just we had a little quick chat. But he he still looked quite like he did yes, last evening. Like he couldn't believe what he had done. Or he couldn't believe anyone could have done what he had done. He had that look on his face. But just... I spoke about the Pakistan team being sullen, but the Indian team, though really like, you know, up and about, you could still see a lot of them... I met Rahul Dravid after, I don't know how long, six years or so. Even he had that feeling. Like, you know, yeah, just the atmosphere, the 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 setting, the, the buzz yesterday. It was just... And we'll talk all about it. But just being there itself was so special that the win was great. But, you know, it was already a win even before Virat Kohli did what he did and Ashwin finally hitting the winning rounds. So that's the feeling I got just by looking at the Indian team. They looked in a very good days happy days while the pakistanis just looked in a uh in a daze that they really wanted to shake off like they were very happy to leave melbourne and reach a new city that's the feeling uh i got and so at that point my day was looking pretty okay i was happy you know meeting these people after a long time then the luggage thing happened but i did get to india pakistan on time
1: well wow, well done there um so the actual, um, game, it was really interesting. Uh, 99.94 did a spaces afterwards and mm-hmm. Atif Noir's, um, joined Nikesh from India on 99.94 to have a, to have the show. And they brought me on. And I was, as you can imagine, I was on my third rewrite <laughs> by that stage. So I said, I will come onto the spaces, you know, I, I will talk as q- quickly as possible. And I talk pretty quickly at the best of times and then, uh, move on. And, uh, Nikesh and Artif were in the middle of this really analytical like look back, and this happened at this stage in the game, and I was just like, "Guys, what what are you what are you doing?" That, that was crazy, and I thought, "Hey, I really respected their incredible professionalism to actually remember any of the game outside the last two yeah. and a half <laughs> overs." Um, uh, my, my big my big takeaway, obviously Virat Kohli, is one half of it, and then the other half is that that last oh. over itself. Uh, was an absolute masterpiece in how stupid T Twenty cricket can be,
2: and of stupid T Twenty cricket can be totally. And it was it was this weird like thirty minutes leading up to that last over. Right, all eyes were on Mohammad Nawaz. At the end of each over, uh, my binoculars were trained to see who's coming. Could it be Nawaz now? No, another over gone. Could it be Nawaz now? No, and it was only really. After the 18th over, when you knew he wouldn't bowl the 19th, it had to be Haris Rauf. That you realize that whatever happens in this over, it's basically India versus Mohammad Nawaz. And then, at the start of that over, Mohammad Rizwan suddenly takes. So I think this is where analysis a lot, uh, apart or aside, uh, just composure and temperament comes into being, right? As a captain, I think barbara Azam just just after the two sixes that Kohli hit of Haris Rauf, you could visibly see him on the field, Jared. He he he, he just let everybody else around the show. Like, Mohamed Rizwan was the one, it seemed, who decided that, you know, the guy we picked as a left-arm spinner, who's played a lot of T20 cricket as a left-arm spinner, suddenly needs to become Salim Malik or Ijaz Ahmed. He was (laughs) bowling like Ijaz Ahmed yesterday. You remember Ijaz Ahmed used to bowl his left-arm, some sort of. Uh, And then he stands behind, like, uh, in this, or as Darren Berry said, like, school cricket position, a few yards behind the, the stumps as a wicket-keeper. Uh, and you could see the shock on Nawaz's face. You, you've never done this ever in your life, clearly. And in an India-Pakistan World Cup match, last over after you've been hit for twenty-eight runs a few hours ago, and after you've spent thirty minutes thinking about what you're going to do, you're asked to do something. You're not. It doesn't come naturally to you. So credit to Nawaz for having got Hardik Pandya out and somehow you know kept Dinesh Karthik to a single with that high full toss. Uh, and but I think that's where they. Started to unravel, like, you know, Babar Azam really lost the plot, and it was just, un- in that pressure, it was there's no chance Nawaz was going to land every ball properly, right? The second ball, I believe, the the contentious no ball call, which Virat Kohli hit for six, it had a lot to do with what happened in the second ball. It was also a high full toss, and you see, you see mm. cricket at any level, is it school cricket or the highest level at international cricket? When there are two full tosses bowl, which are marginal. Invariably, the second one will be called a no ball. It's almost the the umpire kind of says, "Yeah, one of them has to be a no ball." It would have been unless it's it's very obviously not about the ways. If it's anywhere there and two on the trot, the second invariably gets called a no ball. And I think that's what happened with that. Uh, and that's when Babar Azam lost complete control. He didn't know what was happening. And at one point, you could see Shadab Khan running from deep midwicket, push Babar Azam back. He literally said, you go off to deep midwicket. I'm going to take over this team. And it was all sorts happening. And that's the madness of T20 cricket. If you lose your cool, if you panic out, even if you spend 39 overs on top, if you panic for those last five, seven minutes, you lose the game. And I think that's what happened to Pakistan.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, to be able to bowl that many extras in an over where the other team needs 16 to win and to, to give, I know three of them were accidental, but... You know, two wides and a no ball, and even if you say it's contentious that that no ball, and it was probably borderline, right? I think if 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 we had a proper thing that we were talking about a couple of weeks ago, where you actually had a bar on the screen of where his waist was, it's probably just below it, would be my yeah. guess. But because he was bent down when he was playing the shot, it looks a little bit it, lo- it looks a little bit higher than it does. But there's a reason why the umpires do give them out in any form of cricket. It's because that is an, a call for being unsafe right? And it was, even if it's marginal, he was marginally unsafe two balls in a row. Eventually, you know, you're going to get called. But yeah, the whole thing, Murray Erasmus having to get involved, putting his arm around uh, uh, Bubba and trying to settle Bubba down. I mean, the whole situation was incredible. But being that you are an umpire, uh, what did you actually think of the, um, well, I suppose it's, it's almost two different questions here. One is you and I both know how few most people know anything about the laws slash playing conditions of cricket, <laughs> right? And so there are a lot of people saying a lot of things about that that had never done anything uh, before. Um, and, then, um, and then the other side of it is that it, it does seem an unfair um, penalty, but uh, having a dead ball – and not having a ball uh, bowl someone and then ricochet off the stumps and go for three runs. But as I said to the Pakistani fans and a few neutral fans who were asking about it as well, I get what you're saying, but if you don't want things like that to happen, don't bowl waist high full tosses <laughs> in, in, in press the So you should be penalized on that particular ball. And it was just that they were penalized in a freak decision.
2: Yes. And uh, it, it, it's almost, I wouldn't call it a loophole, but, of all the laws, right, if you look at look at it in the last many years, so so many things have changed. The dead ball has stayed the same in a strange way, like long after free hit came into being and all that. So uh, as a result, and I think, it, it, again, it's a, it's a freak freak situation, right? How often does the ball hit the stumps of a free hit? I mean, I'm not saying he was the first batter to be clean bowled of a free hit, but how often mm. does it go so far? past third man. And like I think, again, it goes back to the Pakistani panic I spoke about. Uh, Nawaz was start, Nawaz started celebrating. Shai Nafridi just stood there. The ball just went past him. Everybody else was just like, oh, Dinesh Kartik is who, the one who ran and like, got Virat Kohli to start running. Even Virat Kohli wasn't shot. Like, you know, if ball hits stumps. you just kind of, everybody just freezes for a second. Like it's just natural, free hit or not. Yeah. Especially in that situation. Uh, but but that's the thing. What I was saying about the dead ball is like, yeah, but once it's a free hit, uh, you can't be out. So whatever happens, it, it's not del- dead till the ball is in play. And the ball is in play well after the ball has hit the stumps and gone. If the players are running, it's still in play. Mm. I think that that's what happened. It, it's it's a... Will it get a relook? I, I don't know. A lot of people felt it's unfair. It should not be. Then I, I know a lot of people who said... I know that's the law, but maybe someone should change it. That's a fair argument. Maybe someone
1: needs to look at it. If you get bold of a free... But when you change it, it's no different than the hundreds of times in a T20 game when we have a free hit and someone mishits it out to a fielder and they run two. Exactly. It's caught, right? And so... I do think in that perspective, it's just that in this case, it rebounded to a weird... And look, there's there's a few things. That That's obviously one of them. There's also the zombie ball thing, which um, from what I can tell, Zero Ganguly recently went into an ICC meeting and basically recounted my entire YouTube video <laughs> on it, uh, which for those of you don't know, which is when um, there was a waist-high uh, ball that wasn't called as a no ball. Um, the, uh, Curtis camper caught it at deep mid-wicket. The player stopped because there was a catch and then Curtis camper ran them out, right? So that is go and have a look at my video. It's I'm never me. If me and Barrett get into that, we will both uh, (laughs) disappear up each other's assholes. But, um, and then the third one of course is when an LBW is given out and, and it's not out. um, And the ball goes away for four um, or whether it's been hit or it's gone for leg buys or whatever. And you don't get the runs because once it's given out um, uh, the ball gets dead. There's a couple of weird little loopholes in, in the game that come through that we've only really, I mean, Think about think about the the you know the changing of the laws for the, the batter to always be on strike even mm. after they've crossed in the air right that only changed because Fraser Stewart was asked by the uh, the hundred people what was a law that he'd love to get in that the MCC wouldn't do yet and he said that. Trent Woodhill heard it and straight away was like, yeah, why are we penalizing the, mm. uh, the bowler for getting a wicket, yeah. right? But the reason that that's a big deal is because that happens in T20 cricket way more than it ever did in test cricket. Even in yes. one, It even happens more in Monday cricket. So we're yeah. learning little loopholes just because we're playing so much T20 cricket and there are all these unique things happening. And what we saw last night was another unique thing. I, I've been trying to think about any system, though, that could have fixed it, and I'm not sure there is an obvious one.
2: There isn't. I think we'll just have to. Uh, it has. It will be a reactive thing. I mean, these kind of things will happen. Like I said, after yesterday, because and it has to happen in a high-profile match as well. Or if not in a high-profile match, it has to happen at, at a crunch time, like something in the last over. Uh, or, and I mean, it helped that it was India Pakistan in front of ninety-three thousand at the MCG. But uh, even if it was some other game in the World Cup, if it happens in the in the third over, will people really talk so much about it? Maybe not. But I think that's. It. So we'll just keep finding out these loopholes and that's the whole thing when you go to umpires and umpiring seminars and workshops you find out so many things like little things which obviously aren't mentioned very obviously or or very precisely in the law book right it's it's how you interpret the law that's how any law works especially in cricket and especially with umpiring so a lot of them are just situation or situational or based on Unique situations you face when you're out there, I think that's what really happened. I mean we don't need, even need to get into the overthrow overthrow the rule in the two thousand and nineteen final, but honestly that's what that's that's what it happened because it happened in that kind of scenario. I'm sure it happened many other times in other scenarios where yeah. people didn't speak about it or didn't take notice. I, I think that that's how cricket is is as a sport. and like you said, Jared, like more and more we'll see these things prop up. Uh, and then, you know, people react to them very strongly and say, this is unfair, that is fair. Uh But yeah, and then maybe there will be more changes that will be brought about. But trust me, there are hundreds of loopholes uh which yes. will take place, which, uh, you know, as an umpire, you're always told. Uh, you mug up the law book, you know it inside out. But when you're out there, just that it, it should, you should know it so well that it's just muscle memory. But you're reacting to what's happening out there, and that's the first, I think the golden rule of being an umpire. And on just on that note, the whole thing of the ball going up and uh, not as an umpire not having to worry about batters crossing is such a big it's such a big relief. <laughs> and honestly because if you're umpiring at a lower grade where there's no third umpires and all that, if someone has hit a ball high up and it's say I'm at square leg, right? And I'm looking there to see if deep backward square leg has taken the catch or not. How am I expected to, like, you know, keep also keep an eye on the runners, or how is that umpire expected to keep? And there are times you're umpiring, you're the only umpire on the field. The leg umpire is like the coach of the batting team and school level or lower level. So what do you do at that point? You can't have four eyes, right? So it's it's. I think it's a great rule, and I've spoken to a lot of umpires who are so pleased that that's been taken away.
1: Just on your your thing about things happening in big games. I'm pretty sure, I can't remember what year it was, but there was a record, one of the fastest first class hundreds ever made. Um, It might have been the fastest at Sheffield was by David Hooks against Victoria. And in that innings, they started putting out all the players on the boundary at one stage. And so David Hooks um, hit the ball out to the boundary riders, but was running two, but an intentional one short. Right. And I think that game happens in that, I think it's early 80s. Right. Think of how long it took before that rule was actually changed. It's almost 40 years before yes. Karim Pollard does it in a, in a televised game. A lot of people in between had taken advantage of that. I've seen people do it in club cricket and, and, and everywhere else. So you're right. Um, and, you know, it's, a bit, it's the same with the Ashwin. It's like the first person ever to retire out tactically. No, here's all the other times that we have people who've retired out tactically. Anyway, we'll have a break now. And after the break, uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that game and just some of the other things uh, that we've noticed so far in this World Cup. You're listening to Uncovered on the 99.94 Network.
3: And use code GET100. That's code GET100 at prizepicks.com slash get100 for a first deposit matchup to $100. PrizePicks, daily fantasy sports made easy.
0: Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. price picks will match your first deposit up to a hundred dollars just visit prizepickscom slash play 100 and use code play 100 that's code play 100 at pricepicks.com slash play 100 for a first deposit match up to a hundred dollars price picks daily fantasy sports
1: made easy all right uh we've talked a lot about the fun stuff that you and I care about. Most people are just like, we just talk about Virat Kohli. Um, uh, So, so let's uh, talk about Virat Kohli. Um, That shot when, I mean, I've already fanboyed all over that shot when he's falling away of Harris Ralph. And uh, the only thing I would say is that as big a ground as the MCG is, if you're going to hit a six anywhere, dead straight is the place to hit it. But in every other way, that is a remarkable shot. And also from a tactical point of view, I was thinking he was going to flip it off his hip and try and get the ball around the corner to to a fine leg. So the fact that he stood and delivered, that felt like kind of more old school uh, Coley that we haven't really seen in in a little while.
2: Oh, in a long while. Uh, And, you know, the first thing he said uh, after saying how he didn't have words to say what he was feeling like was about uh, the tough times and how everyone stood by him and how grateful he was. And, and it came through just in his body language as well, right? The old Kohli would have... Uh, yes, he did celebrate. But immediately after that celebration, uh, there was more... Uh, yeah, he, was, he looked more grateful and not even relieved. He was just almost... Uh, there was a feeling of you guys have... Like what he said, like, you guys have cheered for me, you've stood by me. It's almost like this is for you. Uh, it is the feeling I got. And I've seen enough of Virat Kohli making runs and celebrating. Yeah, that too on Australian Sol. But that just that was just different. And which goes back to the, the shot you described. A, it was a slower ball as well. So he had to generate all the speed to hit it, you know, towards one of the shorter boundaries, you would say, at the MCG. But he cleared it by a huge, huge distance. But it was a percentage shot, though. Right? I think he picked it. And they had been trying to play the horizontal bat shot... Few times and missing off Roth. so the to a ball that he ideally or most batters would have hit uh, or tried to hit over midwicket, he tries to go after long, uh, go over long on and hits a six. And the next ball, the next ball, uh, which is not a slower one, which is a, a more normal Roth pace one where most batters would have stayed back and tried to hit it over big, big back or square leg, he kind of jumps out and just uses his wrists and kind of, you know, flicks it over over fine leg. I think he has something I call a genius gene, right? I mean, that we've seen a lot of people in the history of the world, not just cricketers, people who have the genius gene. And when when that kind of... He, he kind of switches that button, right? He he does things that, that only he can. I think that's why he's so special. I think... A lot of them have had it. Uh, And I heard someone say yesterday about how he's a lot more like Brian Lara than he is Sachin Tendulkar. And that was a very interesting point for me. Brian Lara could do it, right? He would play these shots to balls that uh, nobody else could have played that shot to. And I think that really stands out about about Virat Kohli. I'm not saying Tendulkar couldn't do it, but these two just have that that extra genius gene in them. And uh, that's what really... Really came through and and also if you think about it, Jared, this innings has come at a time when he's been struggling. In this very innings, he was mm. struggling, right? For the first 10-11 overs of that Indian innings. He never got rhythm. He never got through, uh, got going. It was only that six of Mohammed Nawaz that got him going. And it's not come during uh, one of his dream runs. He's played some remarkable innings in all formats. We all know that. But most of them have come when he's been in that purple patch, either at the start of a purple patch, in the middle of a purple patch, or like that purple patch which which felt like it would never end. But for him to do that in an India-Pakistan match, 93,000 people, for the first time in a long time, something which was built up so much uh, actually, you know, proving to be special as an event, as a spectacle and all that. Uh, India in deep strife. Virat Kohli in deep strife for the first 10, 11 overs of that innings. To then do what he did, uh, I think is why this could well be the the greatest wide ball innings he's played. And there are so many we can pick from. 50-over cricket and 20-over cricket. I think if you just put all of that together... I would li- like to believe that this was the best wide ball innings I've ever seen Virat Kohli play. Right up there with some of the the best wide ball innings any Indian batter has ever played. Mm.
1: Yeah, it, it's really interesting. I saw all these people going, oh, he's got the clutch gene and, uh, as well. Like the genius gene, I'll give you the clutch gene. I'm just like, yeah, generally the best players are going to be the best in the clutch um, situation because they're also the best in the non clutch situation. This whole yeah. idea that, that people don't do that. And even let, let's just say he is. Finished right uh, as the Virat we once knew, right? Yeah, we've seen with Donny that Donny is still. I mean, you know Donny more than anyone else. He's clearly not the Donny he was, right? But we have oh. still seen Donny be able to do that. He still has the ability to read the game um, on that particular pitch. I think even learning how to time the ball correctly is is a huge thing because people just couldn't work out that pitch at all. Um, I, I thought the whole thing was just uh, it was a marvel. It, it was it was it was great because he he basically uh he said afterwards didn't he that he thought it was impossible but when you watch it he was very clearly picking off the fact that he could see that Pakistan were just starting to get to a point where they weren't sure exactly what to do and part of that was that the pitch actually changed between the first innings and the second innings if Pakistan had bowled first i wonder how many india would have even made because the you know the yes. medium fast bowlers of of india looked incredible on that uh pitch but it just got a little bit, not easier to bat on, but a little bit easier to survive on. And then he took it to another level. I, I thought it was great. You, you brought up something when we were chatting just beforehand, which was um, about the glue batters. And we're not really talking about uh, anchors in, in, in this way because Devin Conway is probably one that, that, that we would throw up there. And I don't think Devin Conway's a traditional anchor in that sort of way. But this is a different World Cup. And it's a different World Cup because it's being played outside of Australian summer, and I mean we should not be playing. Let me just check. The covers are off in at Hobart finally, but look, that game could still get rained out between South yeah. Africa and Zimbabwe, uh, which is why we're recording now because there is no game. <laughs> um, uh, you shouldn't be playing cricket in in Hobart in October, international cricket. I'm not saying that the Cub guys shouldn't be out there having a whack around, uh, but you shouldn't be playing international cricket. Uh, the MCG, this is the first pitch that the MCG has had to have ready since the grand final. Um, they've also had record amount of rain. Uh, you know, uh, you, you said that Rohit Sharma was talking to some of the, the writers about the fact that no one really knew what to think about the MCG pitch because usually the majority of the cricket that's played at the MCG, especially at T20 cricket, is December and January, and they're playing in October after record rainfalls.
2: Yeah, uh, and I think he's mentioned it in the press conference as well. He said, uh, we don't have too many numbers to go by uh, when it comes to T20 cricket in October anywhere in Australia. And you just had to look at the pitch. The f- I, I had my binoculars trained in on Rohit Sharma. Because he's got such an expressive face like mine, you can always pick up cues by looking at how he reacts to things. So I, I, I was looking at him the first time he just walked out into the middle. Loud roar, of course. Walks to the middle... For the first time, he's seeing the pitch, right? Uh, And he just made a very, like, a face almost like, I've never seen, and he's played a lot of white ball cricket at the MCG. Uh, he, He made a face where it almost felt like he didn't, he wasn't sure what to make of it. Because every time he's played white ball cricket here, it's been either in January or February. At times in February, but mainly in January. Where, as you know, Jared, there's like a lovely sheen on it. A lot of cricket, a lot of first-class cricket has been played on it. The boxing, the Test has been played on it, and it's got a lovely sheen. And this is a drop-in pitch as well. Yesterday it looked like uh, a pitch you might see for 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 Shield cricket at times, and I I, I don't mean it in a in a uh, in a negative way, but like a four four day four day match pitch where uh, you could see a little bit of grass, which you rarely see uh, for a uh, fifty-over cricket or twenty-over cricket at the MCG. So. I think when you look back at it, and listening to you talk about it as well, the fact that the pitch changed, I was a little uh, surprised that India chose to chose to bowl. I thought uh, the way that tournament's gone, maybe I thought they'd uh, uh, want to put some runs on the board. And with that Pakistan batting lineup, not not as strong on paper as maybe it was last year with those guys. Sure, Malik and Mohammad Afzal still in there. There are a lot of power hitters, of course, but like as like we saw yesterday. If you knock the first two over, they can. There is a sense of panic in that middle order. Shan Masood didn't look very good at the start, but I think he kept things together. Uh, and, and you know, if not for Iftikhar Ahmed's innings, they would have struggled. Uh, it's, mm. But but there, there aren't again the glue players after Shan Masood. There is nobody, so they're so dependent on the top two. And Shan Masood, this he's come into Twenty Twenty cricket, yes, and has played a few games in the last what. Ten months, I would say, for Pakistan, but he's not a proven commodity at World Cup level. So y- they bank a lot on those those openers. Uh, so I thought they would put runs on the board and and back themselves to uh, defend it. Uh, but I think Rohit Sharma got made the right call. You know, he saw something. He felt maybe this is our best chance to beat Pakistan if you can knock them over and restrict them. We can chase down whatever with our batting, um, and it worked out. So. And it goes back to what you were saying. These are very unique conditions for t cricket. We spoke about this in our first ever episode of Uncovered as well. And we're discovering that. The lengths that you can bowl at. And yesterday, you saw... Every time you pitched too full, you were driven away. Every time you pitched it too short. Mm. Unless you had the pace of Haris Rauf. Ardik Pandya, for example, was bowling really well. But every time he pitched it short, it just sat up and he went for runs. So if you can hit that good length with these fresh pitches you'll get a get something and there was so much seam movement i mean you're the t20 legend jared kimber how many times have we seen a t20i or a t20 where the first 10 balls there's no contact between bat and ball i can't think of
1: too many so that's yeah i, mean, I think you're right and the other ball that i noticed and it was later i reckon it was about the fourth over boovie bowled a bouncer oh. and when you generally when you bowl a bouncer in australia they go dead straight they might swing if the scene yeah. does something later on. Um, he bowled a bouncer and it cut back like you sometimes see in English conditions. Like I mean, that wicket was just so different to what you you would see in T20. And for those who don't know, you know places like Melbourne and Hobart. Melbourne is not as cold as Hobart, but it, but it it certainly it starts to warm up really. You would hope around this time. So generally, by the time you get to the summer, uh, the pitches of the, the squares have all been baked. Um, and so if you play club cricket in Melbourne and, and Hobart, you do get, you know, early season wickets are completely different than they are later on. Every, everyone who's played club cricket um in, in that part of the, the country would know, would be aware of that. So that was really interesting. So the other thing is you've got Virat Kohli, uh, Devin Conway, Kusul Mendes, um, Irvine. Am I missing anyone else? Uh, oh, Max O'Dowd. Max O'Dowd.
2: Andy Balberny maybe. I, I guess I'll put it there. If he's-
1: well, he smashed his, though, didn't he? He, did. he, was, yeah, he probably went true. a little bit harder. But we've had a lot of guys that, um, that anchor role or the glue guys, you said, and some of these guys aren't traditional anchors yeah. as well, but they've like Conway's probably a, a lot more than just that. But they've played that way just because conditions so far have kind of helped those court, th- those kinds of innings. and. Part of the reason is in Australia, and it's probably why Australia produces slightly more of those sorts of players, the John O'Wells types cricketers, if you watch any big bash, is because the grounds are big. And you can actually score at a strike rate of 130, 135 without hitting boundaries, which in the rest of T20 cricket is really hard to do because the grounds are just so much smaller. And so you do get a lot of these guys who chip the ball around, who run very cleverly, who use the angles. Um, It's one thing I noticed in Virat Coley's innings, and there was someone else's innings. Uh, that I noticed that as well, where they literally, they were just using the angles of the dimensions because the ground is so much bigger. Well, I only need to beat this person by this amount because once I get into that gap, it's two, three, or four. Um, And it really is, it's a slightly different kind of T20 cricket than we see in the rest of the world. We still have grounds like the Gabba, which you do kind of just stand there and whack it at. Um, you know, and obviously Adelaide Overland could in park that had the, the small boundaries, but they still have massive straight yes. boundaries, which means you, again, you're playing a different kind of T20 cricket, aren't you? So um, I do feel that what we have seen so far, it'd be interesting to see if it ever becomes the tournament of the big hitters, or if it continues to become the tournament where the guys who are the expert manipulators uh, continue to dominate the way they have so far, very early on.
2: and And, the other guy who used the angles beautifully yesterday was Hardik Pandya. I mean, you know, we spoke so much about Virat Kohli, but he couldn't have done it without Hardik. Uh, and then at least four times I remember him just finding that right gap and rushing across for the second run. And I think Devon Conway used a beautiful term. I think it's not a new term, it gets used a lot. He said there are so many pockets on these Australian grounds where you can pick up twos. And Darren Berry said it on commentary yesterday. He said often in the middle overs and he's been around Bbl cricket forever it's the it's the twos that matter in other parts of mm-hmm. the world in 2020 cricket it's the boundaries in the singles but in Australia often the team that scores the most number of twos can win especially in the middle overs and we saw that with devin Conway hit a lot of boundaries early on with Finn Allen but with Kane Williamson and even after Kane Williamson He just manipulated the field. There are so many big gaps out there. You just keep hitting them. And, like, you know, you can easily pick up nines and 11s uh, in that period between over nine and maybe 16. And then you explode again. I think that's what he did very smartly. And I think that's something that Steve Smith can do. And ever since Australia lost that game, and that's the problem with that Australian batting lineup. Uh, Warner can do it. Uh, Finch, if he gets in, can do it. Maxwell can do it. But is that the role he's been given? So if Steve's okay if you've decided Steve Smith's not play, playing and Andrew McDonald has said yeah our power hitters are also batters so like you know they have a lot of other skills as well which is absolutely fair but who's the guy who's doing that and like we saw the other day 200 was a big total but after Warner got out early in that freakish man and Finch got out everyone was trying to do the same thing so they never got any rhythm they just got stuck mm. so there was the occasional boundary from David or Maxwell or whoever but apart from that, what was happening in between boundaries, right? They almost batted like how West Indies were batting, unfortunately, in, in Hobart. And look what happened to them. So I, mm. I think that's why these kind of players... And not, you're right, we're not talking about the anchor players... who need to score at a strike rate of 100. A smart player like Steve Smith or Virat Kohli, he started slowly... but he picked it up. And he hit a lot of boundaries towards the end. Even like the period where his strike rate was really increasing and improving it was while he was hitting those twos and threes. And I think that's going to be, for me, the theme of the tournament. Uh, and it has go- it goes back to the fact that, like Rohit Sharma said, and like we have been saying, uh, these are unknown conditions, you know, T20 cricket in October. We are learning on the go, and they are learning on the go as well.
1: Yeah, I think the whole thing is quite interesting. It'd be, whether it changes back and whether different grounds uh I mean, that's the other thing people keep saying. Oh, you know, uh, what's it going to do in Australia? Australia isn't... A uniform place, oh. right? Like, you know, uh, even, even, you know, Geelong to Melbourne, you know, Cadenia Park is a different, a completely different surface yeah. than the MCG is, even though that they're, they're an hour away from each other, um, not to mention that the playing dimensions. But, yeah, when I worked for the Melbourne Stars, that was one of the big things I said because we had a lot of boundary hitters in our side. Right. So, you know, we had Stoinis and Maxwell, um, and, you know, and Maddinson and a few different players. And I kept saying, look, that's great. They're going to get their boundaries anyway. If we if we between overs ten and twenty score a lot of twos, um, we we you know, and we know, and then we can play the conditions. And it's something you've seen teams like Namibia and Ireland do really well in this tournament so far is play the dimensions in the ground in in the. in the ground and it's something that county cricket you know the blast was probably one of the first ones to do this because blast grounds are so weirdly shaped yeah. and you know you, you know so really playing those sorts of conditions and it can get to the point where you do see teams get too obsessed with it so we might get some teams who get obsessed with the two when actually they should just stand back and whack yeah. the ball for six occasionally as well but um it's certainly something to look at uh, australia were favorites Going into the tournament, not massive favorites, slightly ahead of England and India. Um, in fact, if, if you want to know how much the markets are all over the place, Australia were favorites, and then England were favorites, and then India were <laughs> favorites within about 36 hours, I think. Uh, and New, so, Z- New Zealand, you know, they, despite the win? No. New Zealand have come into 6-1. to one. New Zealand were, I can't remember if they were, I think they were around 10 or 12-1. to one. They were longer odds because um, no one was quite sure uh, if they were going to qualify from that tougher group. Right, yeah, Once yeah. they won, they came into about, I, 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 th- I think they're hovering around five or six to one now because they should, I think they've got like a 63% chance. I think Freddie Wilde might have tweeted, 63% chance of qualifying based on you know, how good they are and, every, and, and beating Australia. Mm. Um, uh, so that, that Australia loss really changed everything for, for Australia and New Zealand. Pakistan as well. Although, let me just have a look at the weather. <laughs> This by the time everyone co- this podcast comes out, everyone's like, We already know that that game was washed yeah. out, which it probably will be. Um, it, for Pakistan, went from around eight to one to 12 to one when they lost, yeah, which makes sense because it's, it's not that everyone thought, Oh, they were terrible, it's more that it's just now harder to qualify, exactly. Right? It's it's you know exactly the same reason New Zealand went up and Australia went yeah. down, it's less to do with the teams, although in Australia's case, it probably should have been the way they played, but um, uh, so. But if this game is rained out, then Pakistan will probably shorten a little bit at the moment. Yes. Uh, but it's certainly uh, – it, it, New Zealand winning certainly changed the dimensions of the way we were thinking about this tournament because even if Australia weren't mad favourites with, you know, Besto and Jofra out and then Topley out mm. um, and then Jadeja and Bumrah missing, you know, Australia was the only whole team that actually looked – you know, even if it, even if you and I had our questions, they at least had their people.
2: And they only got stronger when they had the injury, unfortunately. Like, you know, they lost Josh Inglis to what sounded like a terrible injury. Aaron Finch was very graphic in his description in the press conference the other day about how much blood poured out and what went in. And uh, But they've got Cam Green in. So you would have thought, even though he wasn't going to play the first game, that, uh, and we both said, like, you know, they were favourites because they were touchwood, the one team without any injuries. And they just seemed to have have the right, or they seem to have gone stronger on paper compared to last year. But after that big defeat, mm. they, they have, I mean, their tournament could be over. Adam Collins compared it to the 92 World Cup where, you know, they, it was more or less over after they lost to South Africa in Game 3. And here again, Game 3 is is England. So on Friday, back at the MCG, if whatever happens tomorrow in Perth, here in, uh, or I am in Perth, uh they have to win in with no floats. Uh, and they have to win in England or, be, or be, beat England because it's over. Otherwise, the World Cup's over within a week for Australia. This With their net run rate, there's no way they'll come back and qualify with just three wins. However badly they beat Ireland and Afghanistan, which are not going to be walkover games, by the way. So, yeah, that's, that just tells you how quickly everything's just oscillated and how, uh, you know, England have... Uh, uh, but we'll have to wait and watch how England go against Australia but uh, yeah which adds a lot to that England-New Zealand game as well but if South Africa Zimbabwe does get washed off like you said and people will know whether <laughs> it got washed off or not by the time they listen to it Pakistan would be breathing a sigh of relief because it gets them gives them that one little some more leeway right like because South Africa will be one point short and then they would hope that India beat South Africa as well India just sailed through then all Pakistan need to do is beat South Africa, or even if they don't beat South Africa, find a way to beat the other three teams, and you know just stay within touch. I
1: would say of all the results possible, Australia losing to New Zealand was the best one for the tournament. Yes, maybe not in terms of crowd um, and energy in Australia, because obviously you you generally want the home team to win yeah. in the first game. Um, it, you, but but from a results perspective. Um, it's opened the tournament up a lot more, it, almost every game from now on in is probably slightly more interesting, um, in that side. Uh, we don't know what's going to happen, um, in, in, in the other draw as, uh, um, as those games are obviously still going on, uh, as we record, but again, Pakistan, uh, losing and then a South Africa losing points makes it even accidentally makes yeah. it a little bit more entertaining than it should be. Um. Uh, let's have another break and then I'm going to hit you with uh, one thing that I know you're going to want to talk about and I don't want to talk about at all. Welcome back to Uncovered with Jared Kimber and Barrett from the and, Uh Your quizzical face from my teaser at the end <laughs> of the last ad break suggests that, I mean, I don't think there's ever been a more wrestling-inspired ICC event than we have had so far we had John Senna, uh, putting up the picture of Glenn Phillips, uh, because Glenn Phillips uses his walk on music. And then we had Dwayne, the rock Johnson doing a shameless, <laughs> shameless, like promotion of a cricket tournament. He doesn't care anything about at all. Um, just to flog his movie, which isn't doing particularly well in Rotten Tomato r- reviews. Uh, last time I checked, um, it, it it disgusts me that I have to bring up wrestling, but has been a very wrestling inspired start to this tournament. It has, and I I, I thought
2: you were leading me on to Paul Heyman's tweet today. I don't know whether is that's what you were hinting at. Paul Heyman, of course, the creator of ECW Extreme Championship Wrestling, one of the greatest minds in wrestling ever. <laughs> I love how
1: you say, "Of course." I have no idea what you are talking
2: about. <laughs> no, and, and uh, you know, Paul Heyman is supposed to be the the brains. Uh, the uh, the guy
1: with the, the Javed Miandad of wrestling, I would call him. So he tweets... Javed Miandad of wrestling. <laughs> oh my God, I want that. Imagine having that on your, your card. I'd like to be the Javed Miandad of anything. Uh,
2: and Paul Heyman is. Paul Heyman still remains. Like, so he, he He's with the WWE, of course, on-screen manager of the great Roman Reigns, the undisputed, undisputed WWE champion who has been there for a long time, who uh, these days goes... Uh, I mean, he's still... Roman Reigns, but he's also uh, the the tribal chief. And for the last two years, he's turned he as uh, since he's turned heel. Uh, the punchline is you have to acknowledge the tribal chief, and they they are a small clique called the Bloodline, and so they're number one. So that's
1: that's that's pretty much their. Uh, I don't know why this sentence is still going on.
2: <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no, hang on. What hang does on. the
1: tweet say? Just tell us what the tweet says. No, you no, I, I, yet, no, no. It? There needs to be a backstory. So. There's That's how backstory. you acknowledge. This is the problem with wrestling. It's all fucking backstory and no
2: wrestling. Yeah, obviously, it's it's theater. It's the greatest form of theater outside theater, of course. Uh, and that is how you acknowledge the tribal chief by raising one finger. And if you go back to what Virat Kohli did yesterday, after getting India home, while everybody was like, you know, waiting for him to explode, like I said earlier on in the show, all he did was acknowledge the tribal chief. Or so, according to Paul Heyman, who tweeted. I mean, and he added Diwali as well. Happy Diwali, everyone. It is with great honor that I, the special counsel, which is what he's called to Roman Reigns, and wise man to the bloodline, the clique, accept the great Virat Kohli celebration as in front of the world, he declared, uh, he decided to acknowledge our tribal chief. So it has very much been a wrestling-like tournament. And now that Virat Kohli is acknowledged the tribal chief, uh, I think, do we even need to continue with this World Cup?
1: I hope we. I hope this is. I hope we, the three <laughs> wrestling crossovers is the end of the wrestling crossovers. But hey, we'll be here reporting on everything for you, Barrett, Thank you very much. Where where you're in Perth? Where you off to after Perth?
2: Oh, Perth, back to Melbourne. So maybe I'll
1: go back and find my bag still there. <laughs> so that's
2: uh, in two days' time. That's for Australia, England, uh, and then Brisbane. So before we meet again, oh, the next oh. When we record next, I'll be back home in Adelaide. So next Tuesday, yeah. I'm back home for the Adelaide leg. And you know, you want to hear something very exciting about the Adelaide leg. leg. So during this tournament, the first match in every venue, uh, they've asked certain people to walk the World Cup trophy out to the ground. Yesterday, you saw the great Lisa Stalekar do that. Guess who's doing it at the Adelaide Oval when the when Zimbabwe play Netherlands? Yours truly, Panasunduraisen.
1: <sighs> oh. I was hoping it would be Carl Hooper or Ben Folds. Well, Think it's, other, it's, 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 it, why is everyone from Adelaide, everyone who's famous for living in Adelaide, actually isn't from Adelaide, <laughs> which I don't know what that tells you about Adelaide as a player. I can't believe all the people from Adelaide <laughs> who deserve that ahead of you, you've swanned in just recently and you're taking the World Cup off them.
2: There you go. That's, uh, that's how you do it. Acknowledge me, Jared Kimber. Acknowledge me. I am your tribal chief. Uh,
1: and uh, remember uh, to share, like, subscribe to our podcast. But most importantly, if anyone wants to start a, um, a, a voting system out there for who has better hair, Lisa Staleka or Barrett and feel free to also do that as well. Uh, thank you, mate. And I'll talk to you again next week. Thanks for listening to the 99.94 Network. Cricket every day. Remember to download our app or just search for your favorite team at 99.94 where you find podcasts on Google or YouTube. This show has an ad-free version via Patreon, and there are many other extras available there as well. There is a link to the show notes. The show is hosted by me, Jared Kimber. Barat Sundaresen is my co-host. It is produced by Nick McCorriston. We also have a great production team from 42, with Rati Joshi on socials, Orijoti Senapai and Maida Akam producing podcasts, and Makunda Bandretti is the head of our YouTube account.
3: Podcast Network.